Regardless of uh, what you've been doing at school, there's always been opportunities for you to do things as part of a team, um, perhaps even individually. And it's recognising those moments where even if somebody's asked you to do something, you might have still said yes to doing it and created that opportunity yourself. So when it comes to applying for anything really, just really spend some time thinking about all the things you've done, whether you think they're significant or not, and breaking it down into what potential skills that you had to display to be successful in whatever it is that you've, you've applied yourself to. Welcome to Find Your Force, the career potential podcast. Everyone has a talent they were born to do and we'll help you find it for your career. Whether you're taking the first or next step in your career, our stories and advice are here to help you. Hi, I'm Hope, your host for season one of Find Your Force. We're talking about how you can best prepare for an application process. I've got Tom and James with me today, and they've looked at thousands of applications in their jobs. So they're in a great position to offer some advice. Hey, Tom and James, welcome. Thank you for joining us. How are you feeling about being here today? Yeah, really good, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, looking forward to to telling people about the process and how they can get involved. Brilliant. I'm sure you've got so much advice to give our listeners today. But first things first, if you could just talk about your role um, and how it, it came to be. James, if we start with you. Yeah, so uh, I joined the Air Force back in 2010 as an intelligence analyst. Um, I specialise in imagery analysis, so uh, satellite imagery from satellites, obviously, and then from tactical aircraft. Tornado used to be, then moving into Typhoon, and now I've been in recruitment for just over two years. Wow, <laughs> that's fascinating. Uh, for you, Tom, as well. Yeah, so I joined uh, in 2012. Um, back then it was an ICT technician, um, now it's a cyberspace communication specialist. I've been quite fortunate, I've worked in, in a similar environment to James in the intelligence world, providing first line, second line, third line support to most of our intelligence platforms. And, and like James, now I work in recruitment too. Let's hear a little bit about your role as a recruiter. Tom, if we can start with you about that process, what it entails. Yeah, so um, I've been doing this role for about 16 months now um, something I volunteered for um, I really enjoy it it gives me a great opportunity to um, get out and about and speak to candidates of all ages um, and just see people um, that have either never thought of it before or thought about it loads before and never felt like that was the right time so it's really get great to cut, sort of um, get them over that line um, and give them that final little push that they need to to pursue the career that they want. Yeah, very much similar to, to Tom. I've been doing this since January 2020, um, so just before the pandemic. So um, for the majority of that time, it's been processing applications with candidates and stuff like that. But now we're just getting back out to going out to events, careers events um, at schools, colleges, those sorts of places to get out, meet people. And like Tom says, give them that final push to get them over the line and start that application process. So in a lot of jobs, people may need to submit a CV, a cover letter, or just complete a a lengthy application form what makes in your opinion an application good very good or rubbish Tom so for an application to join the Royal Air Force um, we look for as much information as you can give us about yourself we will send you lots of um, we call them requests for information so when you put an application in you'll be given a list of them so it'll ask you for a list of your hobbies and interests um, a history of your employment, um, your, your education certificates and or qualifications. So having all of that readily available uh, to hand and being able to give us as much information as possible about yourself puts us in the best position to get the most out of you um, for this process and puts you 
I would say, in the top margin then for um, succeeding in the application process. James, anything to add on to that? I think just building on what Tom says about the more information you could give us, the easier it makes the whole process for us as recruiters because we know if you've got that all, all that information at the start of the process, it's going to be a lot easier when we're going through because we can come to you with easier questions. Um, it's almost like a bit of a bias that we know from the start that you're committed and motivated. We're more likely to help you through the process. Not that we don't help people that aren't motivated and committed. It just makes it a whole lot easier. We get to recognise people's names. We get to know who is or isn't a bad or good candidate. So we can focus a bit more of our energy going through the process with the people that are a bit more committed as well. So commitment and prep is a big one for it. Yeah, we'll go on to that preparation a little bit more because prep is so important. If someone's listening who is about to leave school and is kind of doubting their skill set and their experience, how would you say they can look at themselves, look at what they've done even at school and draw that out for their application. Tom? Yeah, I think, so what's really important is to remember that regardless of uh, what you've been doing at school, there's always been opportunities for you to do things as part of a team, um, perhaps even individually. And it's recognising those moments where even if somebody's asked you to do something, you might have still said yes to doing it and created that opportunity yourself. So when it comes to applying for anything really just really spend some time thinking about all the things you've done whether you think they're significant or not and breaking it down into what potential skills that you had to display to be successful in whatever it is that you've you've applied yourself to yeah i think a good point as well is the internet is a great source for information about the interview process um, and the application process there's various different websites out there the student room is a great one that quite a lot of our candidates come through and say they've done research on reddit is another one there's an active ref forum on there as well and there's it's monitored by and maintained by um, some ref personnel that work out of recruitment and selection headquarters at cranwell so they've got the most current information as well so if you've got a question about the process come to the armed forces careers office or go to one of those websites where we are active and we can answer those questions as best as we can tom and james do you have any kind of techniques for our listeners about preparing in terms of maybe a graphic they can draw or kind of spider diagram to help them understand how to show their best selves yeah so from an air force perspective um, we have our core values um, respect integrity service and excellence so these are qualities that we expect all of our uh, aviators to display. So by thinking about um, things like that, you might be able to come up with a list of personal qualities that you regularly um, display and can attribute to yourself, which will give you a really good foundation then for whatever job you might be applying for. Yeah, one of the questions on the interview actually is about what personal qualities do you bring to the Air Force? So it's worth making a maybe a document about what your personal qualities are are you a good listener are you a good talker can you stand up in front of people um, and easily convey a point to get people to listen to you as well as listen to what others are saying as well so potentially just make a list of what those are some of the other things that we we go over in the interview is what responsibilities you've had if you've been sports captains of teams um, head boy head girl those sorts of things as well so try and make a list of things that you've done in your life that you feel would be beneficial for the air force um, and then how that would be beneficial for the Air Force. And that's something we cover in the interview. Um, and we ask those sorts of questions as well. There are so many roles out there and in the RAF that we're going to uh, touch on in a moment. But I wondered if you could both give me three of the top qualities that you think an applicant needs, a good applicant. 
Um, so probably the top one, and I hope Tom will agree with me, is the motivation and commitment to stick with the application process. Um, if we're trying to get in touch with you, make sure that you're actively monitoring your email or the careers portal that you go through. Um, it's probably the main one as well because that's where we do all of our communication. And if you're not actively checking that, you're going to miss out on opportunities to get pulled forward for events and things like that. So that would be my top one. Yeah, along those lines, and certainly say diligence, um, having that drive to commit to the application process, be it for the Royal Air Force or, or otherwise, demonstrating that you're committed to it and that you're proactive in that process is going to make any employer look at you much more favourably uh, than your, your potential competitors. And then I think research as well. You don't have to have a job role in mind when you start the application process. You can put it down as being undecided on the job role that you want to do. However, what I will say is have a look over the RF website to see what job roles are out there for you, what potentially you want to do, and start doing research on those job roles. Because again, that's another part of the interview process. We ask you about the job role, what you'll do in the job, what you'll do in your future career, what your training is, and those sorts of questions as well. So make sure you get that research in early as it'll make the whole process a lot easier and quicker. Yeah, and I think one that's very specific to um, the Air Force and the military in general, actually, um, is fitness-related. Um, there is a fitness element to the selection process for us, um, not to mention it's something that's expected of you throughout your career anyway. So what we generally find is as soon as we get a candidate, we give them a little bit of a, a training program, a fitness training program, and ask them to work towards that, or if they have their own, perfect. Um, but we can't really understate the uh, relevance and importance of, of preparing that, really. Um, and we all know now the benefits of physical fitness for your mental resilience as well, and that's something that's going to be increasingly important throughout the process in your career. We like hearing stories on this podcast, and something I love to find out about people is what their first ever job was. For me, it was working as a waitress. James, for you? Uh, I can't remember which came first. It was either being a, a butcher's assistant, Ooh. cleaning and scrubbing the floors, um, and a little bit of serving, but nothing to do with a knife or anything like that, or glass collecting at a social club. It was one of those two, completely different to what I do now. Tom? Uh, yeah, when I left uh, sixth form, I went straight to working in bars, because um, that sounded like an absolute dream to me at the time. <laughs> was it? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't go back. Were there skills, though, that both of those jobs, or the butcher job and the glass collecting job, taught you that actually you've carried through your whole career? Uh, yeah, but I think the main one is that social interaction, because you can't really work in a butcher's without interacting with customers. And for those of you that have ever been to um, a greengrocer's market or anything like that, the people that serve you are quite loud and proud about what they do as well. And you, that's kind of almost a learnt skill it's not something that comes naturally to a lot of people so yeah definitely working in a butcher's got me in an environment that was slightly out of my comfort zone but has now provided me with uh, a wide range of skills in terms of as an intelligence analyst delivering briefs standing up and talking in front of people that I don't know or I've never met before so yeah it's definitely something actually thinking about it that I have brought with me from then. And for you Tom? Yeah uh, working in a, a bar especially because there's so many people around and there's different environments lots of drunk people um just gave me a lot of confidence to be able to deal with um a diverse amount of situations really um sort of brought me out my shell I was quite shy at the time so being able to come out and have a fun and learning to have a bit of banter and stuff like that so yeah it definitely helped me build my confidence at the time it's funny isn't it because sometimes you don't realize in the moment that you're gathering that experience and it links back to maybe school leavers who are looking to apply for a job thinking oh I haven't got that experience but actually they do 
let's talk about kind of when you can go for your first job because for everyone it's different what is it like at the REF? Um, so we can take an application from you with parental consent from age 15 and nine months um, and as long as you've got a parental consent form like I've said signed we can then start that process get you in for testing get you in for an interview and then really get you on the first steps um, towards that job. And what are the benefits of applying that early? Almost all of our trades provide an apprenticeship. So whereas yet you can go and get an apprenticeship anywhere else in in some other things, um, with the Air Force you are being paid um, a good amount of money while you're doing an apprenticeship. Um, And at the end of it, you're given a pretty significant career opportunity um, that I don't think can necessarily be matched, certainly at that age. We've spoken about having a love for what you do, but obviously you mentioned money there, good money. What kind of figures are we looking at? So through phase one training, at least for the first six months, um, it's just over 15, no, sorry, 16 and a half thousand pound a year. So after you pay for your food and accommodation, which is heavily subsidised, at the time when I went through basic training, I had around about 850 to 900 pound of disposable income because I don't have to pay for my accommodation separately. It comes straight out of my wages. So what's paid into my bank is my money to spend. As a 20-year-old, that was about what I was earning working in retail. And at the time, looking back, basic training was a lot easier than working in retail. Um, You see videos of military basic training being very difficult, loud, proud, being shouted at a lot. Let me tell you, retail was a lot harder than going through basic training. (laughs) So Yeah, it helps as well that every year you do get a pay rise. Um, So all of our ranks are tiered so every year regardless of whether there's a a pay freeze that's set by the government or not we still do climb up um, a pay scale so whatever you're earning at 16 17 18 continues to rise all the way through and especially with promotion as an ref apprentice you will earn a minimum of 18,443 pound in your first year which increases after completion of training and year on year incrementally And on top of this, you'll have a range of benefits, including holiday pay, sick pay, and a competitive pension scheme. If you're interested, go to the episode description to find out more. Um, Let's now break down the application process for an apprenticeship at the RAF. Yeah, so once we receive um, your application, your recruiter will get in touch with you, um, just to introduce themselves, explain a little bit about the process, Um, And essentially what we do is we get you in for a defence aptitude assessment. That's um, come and sit a digital test. It's six psychometric tests, one after the other. And we use that. We use the scores from those tests to best place you into a trade that we think you're really well fit for. Um, Following successful completion of that, you'll then sit a selection interview with one of your recruiters as well. Um, It'd be about an hour chat, um, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your commitment and the reasons for joining the Air Force. And then um, a few questions about your wider Air Force knowledge, such as where we've been on operations the last five to ten years, where we're stationed in the UK and abroad. Um, Following that, you'll have a medical assessment and a fitness assessment, and that's it. You just have to pass those four elements, and we'll offer you a a contract for the Air Force. And is information sent out to applicants to break down that process? Because for someone who might not know, that does sound a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, so... Sorry, excuse me. Once they start the application process, they'll get all of that information through what we call the portal. It's our our interaction point about their career progress um, or application um, progress. 
So they'll get all of that through there. Um, once they come in, certainly at Birmingham RF Recruitment um, Centre, they'll come in for the Defence Aptitude Assessment. Straight after that, we, there's what we call a presentation, a P3 presentation for um, certain branches or, and trades, uh, professions actually is what they're called now. Um, and that'll outline the whole process from start to finish. It also gives them um, some slides on positives and negatives um, or pros and cons because there are some cons of joining the military. Um, there's vastly more pros than there are cons going through that slide but it gives them an overview of what the Air Force is like in general but it also outlines all of the points through the application process from start to finish and roughly how long each of those elements takes to complete as well. And as you mentioned earlier the reason it is lengthy and the reason it will show those pros and cons is because it is a commitment it is something that you want people to to stay in and and kind of retain that love for so they need to know what to expect don't they? Mm -hmm. That's right. Let's talk about the difference between a, a different application for a, for a job in the RAF and an apprentice application. I know we mentioned there's a medical in both. Is, that the, is there any differences? Is it quite similar? No, the process is pretty um, streamlined so that everyone goes through the same process. So that way everyone's being assessed fairly um, and against the same criteria. Um, it's worth noting as well that um, regardless of what you might think of your own medical situation, you should always apply anyway because things like that are taken on a case-by-case basis. So don't be discredited because you've heard a rumour that somebody or don't be disheartened because you've heard a rumour that somebody else was rejected because of X, Y or Z. Um, always put your application in because that is something that we'll always consider on a, a case-by-case basis. Yeah, just to build on that point, it's important to note that us as recruiters in the careers office don't have any access to any of your medical information and we can't answer any medical-based questions. So if you do have a medical-based question, you can't come to us for the answer because we can't give you that information. What we can do is provide you um, an address that you can forward your question onto if you've got something such as a lengthy medical history or you've got an illness injury or um, past disease that may have hindered your life so far. We can forward those questions on, but we won't be able to answer them individually. It sounds like there's always kind of willingness to go above and beyond to help people who are applying. Is that something that you really kind of focus on, supporting people through that process, being there to help them? Yeah, I think the, the benefit of um, our role is that We've had a really great career so far. So all recruiters in the Air Force volunteer for that job. They volunteer to come out of their day job to come and be a recruiter for a few years at a time. And it's because we want to instill the experiences that we've benefited from into you know, inspiring the next generation of the Air Force. Um, and it's, it's not our job to fail candidates as they go through. It's our job to coach and mentor um, the potential in candidates to help them get to where they want to go. That's really great to hear. It's a question I always get asked by parents, um, especially when we speak with school leavers. um, Would I recommend it? And and I always say to them, this for me is a volunteer job. I wouldn't be in my role as a recruiter if if it wasn't something I believed in. Um, And I always try and mention that to them to say, I'm here because I want your son, daughter to join because it's something that I believe in. And yeah, the experiences that I've had is something that I want to, to sell to others. That's really reassuring, not only to people who are looking to pursue a career in this or change their career, but also to peers, like you mentioned, because I feel like, I'm sure there's lots of parents and carers who think, oh, my my child's going into the big world, wide world, are they going to be supported? Absolutely, they are. So to end today's episode, can you give me two or three key things that people should take away 
from this about preparation for an application. James, if we start with you. Um, so I think one of the, the major sticking points we find during the application process is the fitness testing. So try and stay on top of your fitness um, going through. Have a look on the RF website what the fitness requirements are for your age and gender. Um, and at least attempt it before you turn up because it's not as simple as well, it is as simple as turning up, running on a treadmill, doing some press-ups and sit-ups, but it's not as easy as how we make it sound. So make sure that you do get some practice in um, before you attempt that because it can be a sticking point and it can add six to eight weeks onto the application length if you do file that first attempt. Yeah, I think um, whether it's for the Air Force or, or anything else, um, being prepared, so having all your documents ready, um, so your education certificates, if you need a CV, your CV, make sure that's in good order. Um, and thoroughly research the company or organisation that you're applying for because just by doing that one little thing, you will really stand yourself out amongst all the other applicants. And just to build on what Tom says as well, we will, through the application process, ask you for various documents, pieces of evidence, education certificates. We will set a timer on when we're asking them for. So normally we'll send um, a seven-day reminder don't leave it till day seven to get back to us because, again, we then start to recognise people that are dragging the process out. The longer you take to get back to us, the longer the application takes. If we get it back the same day, we can move you on to the next step a lot sooner. It makes everyone's lives easier. My mum always says, keep all your important things in a folder, and that's probably a very good actually recommendation. So, James, you mentioned there about not leaving it to the last minute to submit them them forms because as soon as you do the process can continue and carry on and we also mentioned earlier on about checking your emails because things might get sent and if you don't see it some people might delay on on purpose or they might just miss something why do you think some people are, are in that category and do that I think uh, certainly, especially with the younger generation, it's a little bit of apprehension about if I provide these information, it moves me on to the next step. Everything becomes a lot more real. We can start getting um, basic training dates. And again, once we've got a basic training date, that's you and the final the final hurdle really to, to go into basic training. So I think it might be a bit of anxiety and apprehension of that becoming a reality as opposed to just the pipe dream. So what can be done to overcome that kind of fear? And is that an irrational feeling? No, I don't think so. I think um, Tom covered it earlier when we spoke about we're here to, to coach and mentor you. Just get in touch with us as your recruiter. You'll have our email addresses. You'll have a phone number or a contact details for us. Just get in touch and explain that. We've, we've all been there. Everyone that's in the careers office went through basic training has had those same thoughts or feelings at some point during their career. So just let us know and we'll talk you through what we did to overcome them, what our coping mechanisms were, and see if one of them works for you. And can you explore those coping mechanisms with us for your own experience? Uh, so certainly going through basic training, um, my first week there, I had homesickness for, for want of a better word and, and feelings of, is this right for me? Um, and I always say to my candidates going through the process, the final call I have for them is two days before they go off to basic training. And I'll say to them, if you do get those thoughts or feelings, speak to somebody else that's sharing a room with you because you won't be the only person that's feeling like that and just voice those um, worries or, uh, or, or thoughts and, and see if there's anyone else out there speak to family back home it might not be great to speak with family back home it might make them worse but for me it alleviated the problem don't let things bubble up exactly just kind of talk it out Tom anything to add to what James has just said yeah I, I completely agree and I don't think no matter what the apprehension or anxiety might be um, absolutely voice it um, as we've said we're there to coach and mentor you through the process regardless of whether that's um, fitness motivation 
preparedness or just not sure um, if you've got the confidence to do it, that's what we're here for. We're there to make sure that you um, reach your potential essentially and we'll give you all the advice that we can that we can possibly give and that we can remember from our own experiences going through training as well. So. Fantastic. And I think it's really reassuring to be able to share your own stories about going through that process and having those times of struggle. Brilliant. Thank you both so much. Um, and thank you to all of our listeners today. Thank you. thank you. Thanks for listening to Find Your Force. If you liked what you heard, then subscribe for future episodes. And don't forget to share. It really does make a difference. We want as many people to realise their career potential by finding their force.